0: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time
1: to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for tuning in and and sharing this little journey with us. So if you're a regular listener, about three or four episodes ago, you remember me doing a show where it was just me, and I was just talking about having gone to breakfast with a couple of people where it was sort of serendipitous, and I ended up at breakfast with uh, someone who'd been on my podcast and a couple other podcasters that she knew, and we just sat down to talk about life, and I got really inspired by the conversation. It was one of those sort of serendipitous things where I thought, wow, I moved up to the big kids table, and I really got challenged with the way I thought about some things, and I know a lot of people really, that episode really resonated because I've gotten a lot of emails, a lot of people have forwarded that particular episode. So I decided I wanted to have some of the people who were at that breakfast, I wanted to have one of them on the show as a guest. So today, I'm going to interview Jeffrey Shaw. Now, Jeffrey has a really eclectic and interesting entrepreneurial journey, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about it. But he is and was a very, very established and celebrated portrait photographer who has moved over to helping other entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And I love it when people make a pivot somewhere along their career. And so Jeffrey really has me excited about all the things he's done and all the things he's doing and where he's taking it. And I just knew I had to have him on the show to share a little bit of his experience, a little bit of his wisdom and his story with all of you. So Jeffrey Shaw, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, hey Tom, that's that's just such an outstanding opening. I don't.
0: I hope I can live up to that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, we like to raise the bar really high. You know, for the people who come on this show. Well, you certainly have. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm I'm thrilled to be here with you for sure. Great. So I, you know, I gave a little bit of an overview, but why don't you tell everybody about your journey? Because it's really fascinating.
0: Um, well, sure. You know, it's, it's always that puzzling question. Well, how long can we go on? So I'm going to try to summarize it. But uh, so my entrepreneurial journey, well, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur uh, from, uh, I guess, at least the age of 14. When I started selling eggs, I started collecting eggs from a local farmer and then um, redistributing them at a, at a high profit margin at 14 years old. Eggs, um,
1: eggs yeah. no less. Now, hey. I grew up in Los Angeles. We didn't, we didn't sell eggs. <laughs> we, we threw eggs at cars. Well, I grew up in a little
0: place called Hopewell Junction, New York, which was a couple of hours north of Manhattan, uh, but a world different than Manhattan for sure. Um, so, yeah, we had farms. So I, I, I made a deal with a local farmer since he he had chickens laying all these eggs. So I collected the eggs and put them in the little containers and went around, uh, borrowed my mother's Cutlass Supreme, 14 <laughs> years old. I could barely see over the uh, steering wheel. And I drove door to door, uh, completely illegal, by the way, and uh, sold eggs.
1: That That's so, good.
0: Yeah, so it was quite, quite profitable. I thought it was, it was pretty ingenious at, at such a young age because I figured, you know, I just looked at it from a perspective, what do people need? And people need eggs, and uh, I sold them on Saturdays. So they were ready for Sunday breakfast. So uh, I have, I've actually, with other than a very short period of time in high school when I worked for a, like a mall frame shop, other than that, I've always been 100% an entrepreneur and responsible for every dollar I've ever made. Um, I, it's the only real job I've ever had was a couple year stint, uh, as I said, when I was in high school.
1: That's so interesting. Interesting because lots of times the people I have on this show, they they started as an accountant or they started in sales and they saw an opening and they made the move. You right from the get go were working just for yourself. Yeah, I actually have the
0: opposite uh, romantic image that I would like to have a real job someday, um, You know, although my kids are absolutely convinced I would be the worst employee ever, um, which only inspires me to try to prove them wrong, because I, I'd <laughs> like to think that I'm a team player, but uh, the truth of the matter is, I, I don't know that I would be a very good employee because I'm so used to being uh, the leader at, at my own helm.
1: So I think that's uh, great that your dream is to
0: work for the man just once. <laughs> sort of, although like I said, I think I'd bail after a week, um, because I really I do love being an Entrepreneur and being a, a creator and being a, responsible for what I create, so yes, yeah, so I went from that experience of, of selling eggs, if you will, to went off to photography school, which has been a hobby of mine. Uh, I went off to photography school in my early twenties. Uh, graduated from there by age of twenty one, I was fully in business, having rented my first storefront, and we're now I'm now in my thirty first year. Uh, as a, as a photographer and as a photographer, I photograph families and children on location. I work with a highly specialized, very affluent clientele, which by the way, was nothing like what I came from. So I, I <laughs> not, learned about <laughs> that business. Yeah. And then in the past seven years, I've been training as a coach and uh, coaching others, uh, other creatives primarily who are super talented, but struggle to, to figure out how to pull together business.
1: So what do you think it was inside you that led you to wanting to be an entrepreneur? Man,
0: you know, that's funny. It's a, such kind of the obvious question that nobody's ever asked. You know, I think it runs in my family, if you will. My uh, My mom's a hairdresser. She's in her 60th year or something. I mean, my mom's 70 years old and tells me she'll slow down in a couple years, <laughs> um, which I, I just love. And uh my father, although my father worked for the man, my father worked for IBM. He was one of the first 90 employees at IBM. Wow! So uh, you know he was early in when IBM was kind of a startup. So he really, I mean, talk about working for the man. Uh, that really represents what IBM was all about. He was actually
1: working for Tom Watson, the man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, it was. I mean, it was just it was such a dominating company. I mean, they just really. It was a very interesting being in a, a, a child of an IBM was an interesting experience in those days, but that aside, he always, my father was always onto something. He was, you know, selling CBs when they first came out. And then he used to make custom arrows for hunting. So he was always doing something entrepreneurial on the side. And, uh, and both my brothers are entrepreneurs. I mean, my one brother's a, a rancher and another brother is a, uh, a Mason. Mm. So none of us, none of us ever took the route of, uh, the traditional job. So what do you absolutely love about
1: working for yourself?
0: The creation process, you know, and, and everything is a creation process. I happen to be in a creative business as a photographer and I think coaching is quite creative as well, but it, it, the process is creative. The process of building relationships, the process of getting someone interested in your work fascinates me. Like I absolutely love the psychology, the, the, what inspires people, um, it's the process. It's the process of building a business in every way, shape, and form that uh, that I, I
1: absolutely love. Well, When we think about creatives, we naturally think of painters and photographers and maybe people who act or sing. But in reality, a software entrepreneur is in many ways a creative. So what do you see now that you've moved from the world of, of being that creative, of being that high-end portrait photographer, into the world of coaching People to grow a business. What do you see the similarities between being a creative and being a creative?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and it's a, from a marketing perspective as a coach, it's a tough one because I can't really use the word creative entrepreneur because a true creative, your, your artist, your photographers, they don't identify with being an entrepreneur. Uh, And a lot of entrepreneurs, to your point, software designers and such, they don't identify as being creatives. So I I don't know that we have yet to create or to find the language (laughs) for what is actually the fastest growing segment of our economy. I mean, predictions are by 2030, 60% of the American
1: workforce will be what they can consider freelancers. That is cr- um, that is a but, crazy. I've seen that statistic a couple yeah. of times in the last few weeks yep. and that is a crazy statistic when you think about that means 60% of us will be solopreneurs or small business owners. That is that is huge and a big shift in our society. It sure
0: is. I mean it's crazy and for the most part, this is why I'm really upping my game as a coach and why I think you know, this is the time for me to, to show up fully and how I can serve because I have the background experience in this. There's going to be a whole boatload of people that have no idea how to be in business when they're marketing themselves and their talent. Right I mean most P- I coach people across a whole range of, uh, of of industries, and yet the one thing they all have in common is that they're really talented, but they have no idea how to run a business based on what it is that they do. i give you so many examples. One example that comes to mind is a, a client of mine who was a NASA scientist and left NASA to become a photographer. You know, she wanted to be a photographer full-time. Now this is a bright woman, NASA scientist, and uh, I think our first coaching call, I don't think we were even coaching it. I think it was the, one of the first conversations we had before she even hired me as a coach. I remember her saying that, you know, she like defending herself. I'm a smart lady. She goes, but I, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to trying to figure out how to how to build a business as a photographer and she said it's as if her whole left brain shut off (laughs) and i said well yeah i kind of did like i mean it's such it's you know it's such a mind bend when because it's that classic you can do for others what you can't do for yourself and it's so easy to find answers and run other people's businesses the moment you start self-promoting uh is trying to place value on what you do who that's that's when the, the mind just bends. It's very difficult.
1: And I find as a speaker, I am really good. If I go and watch another person give a speech and I take notes on sort of the technical way of they've structured their speech, I can give them advice that will absolutely turn around a pretty good speech to help them make it great. The next time they give it, the audience runs up and, you know, throws themselves at them going, oh, my God, that was moving. And all I do is just say, why don't you say this before that? Or why don't you open with this story rather than using it in the middle? And to me, it's like, aha. But when I look at my own speeches and think it's time to throw out all of my slides and let them all earn their way back in, I start going, oh, well, that's a great story. Oh, well, I have to tell the story about Kate. And if I talk about Kate, I really should talk about Jackie. And oh, I have to tell this story. And all of a sudden, like everybody earns its way back in, you know, to my own presentation. But other people, I'm like, throw out that story, move that one to the front and tell it like this. And boom, it's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very, like I said, it's very easy to do for others what we can't do for ourselves. And, uh, I, I'm intrigued by the challenge of the future as we have an economy that's, that's switching to so many people being, you know, so called freelancers. But to your point, it's going to be really hard to de- define what's a freelancer, what's a creative, what's a creative entrepreneur, what's an entrepreneur, what's a solopreneur. I mean, the lines are completely blurred. Uh, the, the bottom line is it's, it's, we're all, uh, Know, talented at something and trying to define
1: how we reach the people that, that want what we have. So, what caused you to go from, and I mean, you're still obviously an active portrait photographer, but what caused you from going with a lot of your focus and your whole focus being this high end family photographer? And it's not like you weren't making enough money. You're one of the most celebrated people in the country when it came to doing this type of photography. I mean, I knew who you were before we met. And what caused you to say, hey, I am this guy, I'm making good money, I'm celebrated in these circles. And I want to go start a whole other line as a business coach. Hmm. Well, you you make me sound nuts.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, people have told me I just might be. Um, Well, (laughs) you know, for one, I I had an amazing exposure to a coach. Uh, I hired a business coach in 1999 at my peak, you know, earning years when one, you know, people didn't really hear of business coaches at that time. It wasn't common talk right. in 1999. Yeah, that was, that was and, early. And, you know, most people hire a coach when things are challenging. And, and here I was at my, my peak years and, and I sought out this idea of a coach. So I had – and I worked with that coach for seven years straight, three times a month for seven years, never missed a beat. So clearly I loved the experience. So I, I had – uh, the exposure to something that really helped me—that when he retired, I decided I wanted to do the same for others. So that was the original impetus. Was you know, let me. Uh, and it was 2008. Uh, I knew my my clientele was going to be severely damaged by the economy. Uh, so I was like, I think I just might have a little extra time in my hands. So I decided it was a great time to take up a new interest. And uh, so originally for years, it has been somewhat of a blend. You know, I was doing coaching on the side, primarily coaching photographers, still working primarily in my photography business. Uh, but that now has switched. You know, my business now is primarily Coaching. Uh, and I'm working really as a photographer with my most loyal clients, uh, you know, some some outreach into new clients, but really staying focused on the people that I've been serving for years and, and want to continue to support the growth of their family. So it's really kind of switched the other way around now. So it wasn't a an initial conscious decision. The conscious decision was to to learn a new skill. But I, I will say in the last four years. It feels like an internal switch went off, and i th- I would say it's that that feeling of I can give back, and actually, I can think of him I mean, you're you're helping me recall actually a specific moment when I was actually being coached I was in a group coaching uh, situation, and uh, the coach was pushing me to uh to define why it was so important to me, why was it so important to me that I coach other people and um you know he actually I remember him saying that you work with the passion as if you were the founder of like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Like you, you work with so much conviction and passion. There has to be a deeper reason. And uh, as he was pushing me on that, I realized that I was successful as a photographer, right? And when I started my coaching practice, it actually took off really quick. So a lot of it was ownership. I got to the point I really owned something I was good at and how I could help. And that to me flipped a switch. Like when I when I closed the gap in my own mind and just owned what I was good at, it's like you know, I just need to do this for other people because what I had been able to do was to build successful businesses in industries like photography and coaching, which other people are typically struggling. And and you know, once you, you own what you're good at, it's you're almost with a sense of obligation. You need to give it back.
1: Well, where has been the hardest part of making a pivot? Because a lot of people, like you mentioned, the woman you coached who wanted to go from NASA engineer to professional photographer. I mean, that's a big pivot. What has been the hardest part of this pivot for you?
0: You know, it's, uh, I, I'd say I'm almost right at, right now at the hardest part of the pivot. And yet I didn't expect this to be the hard part. The easy part for me was the building of the business. Cause like I said, I actually, I get that part. You know, I, I think what I get in business, uh, my core skill, if you will, is I, I can. I have a lot of empathy, so I can put myself in other people's shoes pretty easily. And I did that for my photography clients because I I didn't come from the affluence of the people that I was serving, so I had to understand them. I had to be in their shoes in order to understand how to market to them. And then I'm able to do that as a coach as well. I think I can really get into other people's viewpoints and perspectives and understand what it is that they need and what it is that they want to hear and how I can communicate with them. So that's kind of the easy part for me. The tougher part is kind of now because I'm realizing that I want to have a much bigger, greater impact in a broader way in the world through coaching than I could possibly have as a photographer. Uh, I've had a fantastic experience as a photographer having big impact on a relatively small number of people. So now, for me, it's the it's the transition of the identity, if you will. I, I'll never I'll never not identify with being a photographer, uh, but it is a role I have played for thirty one years. And welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit.
1: It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for tuning in and and sharing this little journey with us. So if you're a regular listener, about three or four episodes ago, you remember me doing a show where it was just me and I was just talking about having gone to breakfast with a couple of people where it was sort of serendipitous and I ended up at breakfast with uh, someone who'd been on my podcast and a couple other podcasters that she knew and we just sat down to talk about life and I got really inspired by the conversation. It was one of those sort of serendipitous things where I thought, wow, I moved up to the big kids table and I really got challenged with the way I thought about some things and I A lot of people really, that episode really resonated because I've gotten a lot of emails. A lot of people have forwarded that particular episode. So I decided I wanted to have some of the people who were at that breakfast, I wanted to have one of them on the show as a guest. So today I'm going to interview Jeffrey Shaw. Now, Jeffrey has a really eclectic and interesting entrepreneurial journey, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about it, but he is and was a very, very established and celebrated portrait photographer who has moved over to helping other entrepreneurs grow their businesses, and I love it when people make a pivot somewhere along their career, and so Jeffrey really has me excited about all the things he's done and all the things he's doing and where he's taking it, and I just knew I had to have him on the show to share a little bit of his experience a little bit of his wisdom and his story with all of you. So Jeffrey Shaw, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, hey Tom, that's that's just such an outstanding opening.
0: I don't. I hope I can live up to that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, we like to raise the bar really high. You know, for the people who come on this show. Well, you certainly have. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be here with you for sure. Great. So you know, I I give a little bit of an overview, but why don't you tell everybody about your journey? Because it's really fascinating.
0: Um, Well, sure. You know, it's, it's always that puzzling question. Well, how long can we go on? So I'm going to try to summarize it. But uh, so my entrepreneurial journey, well, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur uh, from, uh, I guess, at least the age of 14. When I started selling eggs, I started collecting eggs from a local farmer and then um, redistributing them at a a high profit margin at 14 years old. Eggs, eggs, no less.
1: Now, I grew up in Los Angeles. We didn't, we didn't sell (laughs) eggs. We, We threw eggs at cars. Well, I grew up
0: in a little place called Hopewell Junction, New York, which was a couple of hours north of Manhattan, uh, but a world different than Manhattan for sure. Um, so, yeah, we had farms. So I, I, I made a deal with a local farmer since he he had chickens laying all these eggs. So, I collected the eggs and put them in the little containers and went around, uh, borrowed my mother's Cutlass Supreme, 14 <laughs> years old. I could barely see over the uh, steering wheel and I drove door to door, uh, completely illegal, by the way, and I uh, sold eggs.
1: That, that's so, good.
0: Yeah, so it was quite quite profitable. I thought it was, it was pretty ingenious at, at such a young age because I figured, you know, I just looked at it from a perspective, what do people need? And people need eggs and uh, I sold them on Saturdays. So they were ready for Sunday breakfast. So uh, I have... I've actually, other than a very short period of time in high school when I worked for a like a mall frame shop, other than that, I've always been 100% an entrepreneur and responsible for every dollar I've ever made. Um, I, it's the only real job I've ever had was a couple year stint, uh, as I said when I was in high school.
1: That's so interesting because lots of times the people I have on this show they they started as an accountant or they started in sales and they saw an opening and they made the move. You right from the get go were working just for yourself. Yeah, I actually have the
0: opposite uh, romantic image that I would like to have a real job someday. Um, You know, although my kids are absolutely convinced I would be the worst employee ever, um, which only inspires me to try to prove them wrong, because I'd like to think that I'm a team player. But uh, the truth of the matter is, I I don't know that I would be a very good employee, because I'm so used to being uh, the leader at at my own
1: helm. So I think that's Uh, great that your dream is to work for the man just once. (laughs) Sort of. Although, like
0: I said, I think I'd bail after a week, um, because I really I do love being an Entrepreneur and being a, a creator and being a, responsible for what I create, so yes, yeah, so I went from that experience of, of selling eggs, if you will, to went off to photography school, which has been a hobby of mine. Uh, I went off to photography school in my early twenties. Uh, graduated from there by age of twenty one, I was fully in business, having rented my first storefront. And we're now I'm now in my thirty first year uh as a as a photographer and as a photographer I photograph families and children on location I work with a highly specialized very affluent clientele which by the way was nothing like what I came from so I I <laughs> not, learned not small that town. business yeah and then in the past 7 years I've been training as a coach and uh, coaching others uh, other creatives primarily who are super talented but struggle to to figure out how to pull together business
1: so what do you think it was inside you that led you to wanting to be an entrepreneur? Man, you know, it's funny it's a, such kind of the obvious
0: question that nobody's ever asked. You know, I think it runs in my family if you will. My uh my mom's a hairdresser. She's in her 60th year or something. I mean, my mom's 70 years old and tells me she'll slow down in a couple years. <laughs> um which I, I just love and uh my father, although my father worked for the man, my father worked for IBM. He was one of the first 90 employees at IBM. Wow! So, uh, you know, he was early in when IBM was kind of a startup. So he really, I mean, talk about working for the man. Uh, that really represents what IBM was all about.
1: He, he was and actually I'm, working for Tom Watson, the
0: man. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, it was. I mean, it was just it was such a dominating company. I mean, they just really. It was a very interesting being an, a, a child of an IBM was an interesting experience in those days, but that aside, he always, my father was always onto something. He was, you know, selling CBs when they first came out. And then he used to make custom arrows for hunting. So he was always doing something entrepreneurial on the side. And, uh, and both my brothers are entrepreneurs. I mean, my one brother's a, a rancher. my another brother is a, uh, a Mason. Mm. So none of us, none of us ever took the route of, uh, the traditional job. So what do you absolutely love about working for yourself? The creation process, you know, and and everything is a creation process. I happen to be in a creative business as a photographer and I think coaching is quite creative as well. But the process is creative. The process of building relationships, the process of getting someone interested in your work fascinates me. Like I absolutely love the psychology, the, the what inspires people, um, I, it's the process. It's the process of building a business in every way, shape, and form that uh, that I,
1: I absolutely love. Well, when we think about creatives, we naturally think of painters and photographers and maybe people who act or sing. But in reality, a software entrepreneur is in many ways a creative. So what do you see now that you've moved from the world of, of being that creative, of being that high-end portrait photographer, into the world of coaching people to grow a business? What do you see the similarities between being a creative and being a creative?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's a, from a marketing perspective as a coach, it's a tough one because I can't really use the word creative entrepreneur because a true creative, your, your artists, your photographers, they don't identify with being an entrepreneur. Uh, and a lot of entrepreneurs, to your point, software designers and such, they don't identify as being creatives. So I, I don't know that we have yet to create or to find the language <laughs> <laughs> for what is actually the fastest growing segment of our economy. I mean, it, I, the predictions are by twenty thirty sixty percent of the
1: American workforce will be f- what they can consider freelancers. That is cr- um, that is a but, crazy. I've seen that statistic a couple yeah. of times in the last few weeks, and yep. that is a crazy statistic when you think about. That means sixty percent of us will be solopreneurs or small business owners. That is that is huge and a big shift in our society. It
0: sure is. I mean, it's crazy and. For the most part, this is why I'm really upping my game as a coach and why I think you know this is the time for me to, to show up fully and how I can serve because I have the background experience in this. There's going to be a whole boatload of people that have no idea how to be in business when they're marketing themselves and their talent. Right. I mean, most people, I coach people across a whole range of, uh, of, of, industries. And yet the one thing they all have in common is that they're really talented, but they have no idea how to run a business based on what it is that they do. I give you some examples. One example that comes to mind is a, a client of mine who was a NASA scientist and left NASA to become a photographer. You know, she wanted to be a photographer full time. Now, this is a bright woman, NASA scientist. And uh, I think our first coaching call, I don't think we were even coaching it. I think it was the, one of the first conversations we had before she even hired me as a coach. I remember her saying that you know she like defending herself. I'm a smart lady. She goes, but I, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to trying to figure out how to how to build a business as a photographer. And she said, it's as if her whole left brain shut off. <laughs> and I said, Well, yeah, I kind of did. Like, I mean, it's such it's, you know, it's such a mind bend. When it's that classic, you can do for others, what you can't do for yourself. And it's so easy to find answers and run other people's businesses. The moment you start self promoting, is uh, <laughs> trying to place value on what you do. Whew, that's, that's when the, the mind just bends. It's very difficult.
1: And I find as a speaker, I am really good. If I go and watch another person give a speech and I take notes on sort of the technical way of they've structured their speech, I can give them advice that will absolutely turn around a pretty good speech to help them make it great. The next time they give it, the audience runs up and you know throws themselves at them going, oh my God, that was moving. And all I do is just say, why don't you say this before that? Or why don't you open with this story rather than using it in the middle? And to me, it's like, aha. But when I look at my own speeches and think it's time to throw out all of my slides and let them all earn their way back in, I start going, oh, well, that's a great story. Oh, well, I have to tell the story about Kate. And if I talk about Kate, I really should talk about Jackie. And oh, I have to tell this story. And all of a sudden, like everybody earns its way back in, you know, to my own presentation. But other people, I'm like, throw out that story, move that one to the front and tell it like this. And boom, it's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very, like I said, it's very easy to do for others what we can't do for ourselves. And, uh, I, I'm intrigued by the challenge of the future as we have an economy that's, that's switching to so many people being, you know, so-called freelancers. But to your point, it's going to be really hard to def- define what's a freelancer, what's a creative, what's a creative entrepreneur, what's an entrepreneur, what's a solopreneur. I mean, the lines are completely blurred. Uh, the, the bottom line is it's, it's, we're all, uh, you talented at something and trying to
1: define how we reach the people that that want what we have. So what caused you to go from, and I mean you're still obviously an active portrait photographer, but what caused you from going with a lot of your focus and your whole focus being this high-end family photographer? And it's not like you weren't making enough money. You're one of the most celebrated people in the country when it came to doing this type of photography. I mean, I knew who you were before we met. And what caused you to say, hey, I am this guy, I'm making good money, I'm celebrated in these circles? And I want to go start a whole other line as a business coach. Hmm. Well, you you make me sound nuts.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, people have told me I just might be. Um, Well, (laughs) you know, for one, I I had an amazing exposure to a coach. Uh, I hired a business coach in 1999 at my peak, you know, earning years when one, you know, people didn't really hear of business coaches at that time. It wasn't common talk right. in 1999. Yeah, that was, that was and, early. And, you know, most people hire a coach when things are challenging. And and here I was at my my peak years and, and I sought out this idea of a coach. So I had – and I worked with that coach for seven years straight, three times a month for seven years, never missed a beat. So clearly I loved the experience. So I, I had – uh, the exposure to something that really helped me, that when he retired, I decided I wanted to do the same for others. So that was the original impetus was, you know, let me uh, – and it was 2008. Uh, I knew my my clientele was going to be severely damaged by the economy. Uh, so I was like, I think I just might have a little extra time on my hands. So I decided it was a great time to take up a new interest. And uh, so originally for years, it has been somewhat of a blend. You know, I was doing coaching on the side, primarily coaching photographers, still working primarily in my photography business. Uh, but that now has switched. You know, my business now is primarily the coaching, uh, and I'm working really as a photographer with my most loyal clients. Uh, you know, some some outreach into new clients, but really staying focused on the people that I've been serving for years and, and want to continue to support the growth of their family. So it's really kind of switched the other way around now. So it wasn't a an initial conscious decision. The conscious decision was to, to learn a new skill. But I, I will say, in the last four years. It feels like an internal switch went off, and i th- I would say it's that that feeling of I can give back. And actually, I can think of him I mean, you're you're helping me recall actually a specific moment when I was actually being coached I was in a group coaching uh, situation. And uh, the coach was pushing me to uh, to define why it was so important to me. Why was it so important to me that I coach other people? And um, you know he actually I remember him saying that you work with the passion as if you were the founder of like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Like you you work with so much conviction and passion. And there has to be a deeper reason. And uh, as he was pushing me on that, I realized that I was successful as a photographer, right? And when I started my coaching practice, it actually took off really quick. So a lot of it was ownership. I got to the point I really owned something I was good at and how I could help. And that to me flipped a switch. Like when I when I closed the gap in my own mind and just owned what I was good at, it's like, you know, I just need to do this for other people because what I had been able to do was to build successful businesses in industries like photography and coaching, which other people are typically struggling. And, and you know, once you, you own what you're good at, it's your, I, almost with a sense of obligation, you need to give it back.
1: Where has been the hardest part of making a pivot? Because a lot of people, like you mentioned, the woman you coached who wanted to go from NASA engineer to professional photographer. I mean, that's a big pivot. What has been the hardest part of this pivot for you?
0: You know, it's. Uh, I, I'd say I'm almost right at right now at the hardest part of the pivot, and yet I didn't expect this to be the hard part. The easy part for me was the building of the business. Because I said I actually I get that part. You know, I I think what I get in business, uh, my core skill, if you will, is I. I can I have a lot of empathy so I can put myself in other people's shoes pretty easily. And I did that for my photography clients because I I didn't come from the affluence of the people that I was serving, so I had to understand them. I had to be in their shoes in order to understand how to market to them. And then I'm able to do that as a coach as well. I think I can really Get into other people's viewpoints and perspectives and understand what it is that they need and what it is that they want to hear and how I can communicate with them. So that's kind of the easy part for me. The tougher part is kind of now because I'm realizing that I want to have a much bigger, greater impact in a broader way in the world through coaching than I could possibly have as a photographer. Uh, I've had a fantastic experience as a photographer having big impact on, you know, a relatively small number of people. So now for me, it's the, it's the transition of the identity, if you will, I, I'll never, I'll never not identify with being a photographer, uh, but it is a role I have played for 31 years. And there's a process. There's very much a conscious emotional process for me of uh, kind of detaching from that in a way. And, while at the same time, it's, it's deepening my conviction uh, to how I can show up as a coach and a public speaker.
1: Excellent. So I've got more questions for you. But first, I've got to thank our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Jeffrey Shaw. Hey, if you want to start your own podcast, they have an offer for the listeners of this show. Just jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out all that they have to offer. So Jeffrey, what advice do you have for somebody who's listening to this episode thinking, that's me. I'm I'm living one life. I'm a photographer or I'm an insurance salesman or whatever it is, and I'm ready to make that pivot. I want to go be a coach or I want to you know, write a book or I want to become a speaker or I want to start a tech company. What advice do you have for somebody who's looking down that line at making that change? Hmm.
0: Well, I'm a believer of the safe leap, right? Especially when somebody has built a level of financial security, um, because ultimately that's what I want. What I want to create The reason or the motivation behind creating successful businesses for creative people is what I know is that when you get people out – it's like Maslow's Pyramid, right? When you get people out of survival, they perform at a higher level. So – I'm not a proponent of just pulling the rug out from underneath your life and jumping all in because if you put yourself in such a desperate need position, you can't be at your best. So I like, I suggest, and I do coach a lot of people in who are in transition. And I, I like to recommend that they take a safe leap, knowing though that you're never going to close the gap, particularly financially. You know, if you're accustomed to a certain financial level and you're going to be starting a new business, uh, and a, a new service, what have you, you're never going to, completely close the gap so there's going to be a leap at some point but i think you want to make it a safe leap and i think you also want to uh, create other indications finance finances should not be the only indicator of when it's time to make the leap i think you also want to consider do you have your systems in place does the market show potential such that when you make the leap that there will be a leap that there will be a, a market response um so i think there should be other indicators that when you hit those marks you know it's time and safe
1: to make the safe leap So that's great. Hey, I have a new section to the show called three pearls of wisdom. So I'm going to toss three really quick, short questions at you. And I just want you to say whatever comes to mind, that is the pearl of wisdom that you can share. So the first one is if people want to make that transition, what's the first thing they should do? Hmm. Uh,
0: Consider the marketability of it. Right. I mean, I think it's really easy to have a, a fantastic idea but you have to test the marketability of it. Um, otherwise you're just, you're fighting an uphill battle. So, you know, t- in whatever way that you can test the marketability of what it is that you want to put out there and make sure you have a re- uh, market response to it, particularly if it's somewhat geographical, if the market you're reaching is geographic, you have to make sure you're, you're barking up the right, right tree.
1: So the second pearl is how do you celebrate the small victories that come along in your business? probably not often enough
0: how do i celebrate the small victories you know i do keep i I keep a folder of positive emails um and i find that helpful so i keep a i keep a a folder uh somebody actually one of my podcast guests referred to it as a yay folder and i love that (laughs) i actually never heard that term i haven't either i uh, like that yeah i think it's a great great way of looking at it so i yeah. A yay folder, like whenever you need that yay. So I do, I do hang on to those, uh, those refreshing, wonderful, uh, positive feedback, uh, that we get. And I'm also, what I have found to be really a great way to celebrate wins is, uh, I have a community Facebook group, um, and it's a closed group, uh, but we're growing rapidly. And it, I find that to be just, it's a community. So I, I would say, particularly for the creatives, we all need a place where we know we belong. You know, particularly creatives, we tend to have grown up believing that we're misfits, that we're out of the box, that we're different. Uh, we find a place where you belong, where you can, you, know, you can have a community of people to celebrate your wins, and you can celebrate the wins of others as well.
1: Oh, I love that. So the final, final pearl of wisdom is, where do you find inspiration?
0: In so many places. I, I love architecture. I have to say, I I find tremendous inspiration in architecture. Uh, whether it's contemporary architecture, I love restaurant design, and this is a little bit of a weird quirk. I'm not sure, but I <laughs> <That's> truly <weird. laughs> love. Yeah, I truly love restaurant design. There's something about the hospitality of it all, and and the the design of restaurants. Um, and when I say I find it inspiring, it's not just visually inspiring to me. Uh, it inspires me as a coach because a, a well-designed restaurant and an incredibly perfectly executed meal, to me, it inspires me to up my game. Like if I have a really good experience, um, I want nothing more than to, to be better at what I do. Uh, and that's what I find inspiring.
1: God, I love that. What a great answer. Hey, so I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So Jeffrey Shaw, what's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now?
0: The coolest, well, I don't know if I would determine as the coolest thing, but the thing I'm working hardest on is uh, my first uh, foray, if you will, into an online coaching program, which has been about a year in, in the making. And this is the ultimate challenge for me. I, it's both the, my biggest challenge and my biggest personal development. I, I think by nature, I am, you know, at, at heart, I'm, I'm that photographer who had an incredibly niche business. Uh, and, and really went deep with few people and to be in the world the way I want to be now, it's about, you know, not going as deep to a much greater number of people, that's a way, that's a direction I need to grow in. I don't know that that's my most natural inclination. Uh, but I love to I love to take on life what is not natural and make it natural and grow into it and use that for expansion purposes. So the coolest thing I'm doing right now is stepping into the world of online coaching education, uh, reaching out to people in the masses, uh, which just, you know, really stretches my mind.
1: Well, that's cool because one of the things I'm working on is sort of a group coaching program because listeners of the show reached out and said, so many podcasters have these. Why don't you? would be fun to have a group that would just talk about entrepreneurial stuff. And so I'm in the process of trying to put together the cool things project. And I don't even know what it means. And I've talked about it on the show. So now people are emailing me. And now I have to remind everybody, if you're interested, email me. However, I need to put some infrastructure together. I talked about it too soon, because now I have, you know, 10 or 12 people who want to play. And I don't know how we're going to play yet. And so yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing. When you said it's been a year in the making, I'm like, oh, no, I'm two weeks or three weeks into the making. And I still don't know where I am. You mean it's going to be a whole year? <laughs> well, you know
0: what? I think you're on the right path, though. This is the, the the best advice I got in regards to this early on was uh, particularly ultimately because I knew what I wanted to create was an online uh, educational coaching program. So ultimately, I knew that's where I wanted to end up so that it could be kind of go at your own pace and it could be very scalable and expansive. Uh, but to develop it properly, it had to come from within. It wasn't about me creating something. It was about creating for what the community needed. So the best advice I got was to to jump in live, just like you're doing, and learn from the community, build the community, and find out what is it that they need and build it. And, and I I gave so for example, the program I i the ultimate program that got developed from it. I first gave that program live for seven weeks, two different times, and the scariest thing for me because I'm an overly prepared sort of guy. I show up to the airport three hours early. Like I'm never late for anything. I'm <laughs> everything's always done. I, you know, I get everything done days before it's supposed to be done. I, I cannot i just cannot tolerate like hanging on the edge and yet i hung on the edge with this and it was the scariest thing i could have done because i literally sold the program a live program um, before i had it created once i knew i had the interest of the market like i said test your market i was like okay people want this now you better come up with something so i developed the first three weeks without going any further so that i could design it in the moment and then that was the first seven weeks. And then I said, okay, let's do it again. Let's make it better. So then I, gave it a, I did the program again live for another seven weeks, developed it deeper, saved every single question anybody had, and then worked it back into the program so that we were eventually able to roll it out as a go at your own pace you know, online program. So I like what you're up to. I actually think it's the way to go. D- dive in and uh, w- create organically from within the community that uh, you can serve.
1: Yeah, it's been a small number of people, but they keep emailing saying, when are we going to find out? I'm like, yeah, it's been three weeks. Give me a chance. Let me get a few more people. Let me find out what I'm doing. But so you've inspired me. I think maybe we'll just have our first call and see where it goes now. Dive on in. Excellent. Yeah. So yeah. my next question, you know, we could talk about Jeffrey Shaw and all the cool stuff that you do all day long. However, I think the best entrepreneurs, in addition to going out and creating, I think the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask the guests on this show, who is somebody out there, not you, not your business, but who's somebody out there who you see doing something where you say, wow, he or she, wow, they're crushing it? Hmm. Well, gosh, I, so many people come
0: to mind, um, especially when you add the, the who's really crushing it element to it. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. I mean, he's a guy that uh, the first time I saw him you know, give that flip chart presentation, I I I was jumping up and down. It's like the words were just coming out of your mouth. You know, it's like he he was conveying the thoughts. So I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek, uh, as far as somebody that's crushing it and that we know in the world. But I have to say, I have to. You're asking the question, really reminds me of someone that that no one would know right now that I want to talk about, and that's actually one of my own coaching clients, um, who is uh, a photographer I worked with. She specializes in kind of boudoir glamour photography of women and she's a stunningly beautiful woman herself and what i love the what i think what she's up to that i think we're gonna is just gonna be so important in the world is uh, as i said she she herself is just natural a really beautiful woman and f- realized in her life through our coaching that she has spent most of her life apologizing for being so beautiful in a way that, you know, keeping herself small, not making her life look so perfect. The fact of matter is she had a wonderful life. She's blessed with beauty and yet she was keeping herself small. While at the same time there were the women she was photographing, many of those women had body image issues and through her photographing them, she helped them find their inner beauty. And she and I together collectively came up with this idea that I think she really can, can just really launch a huge platform from, which is be unapologetically beautiful. Like just a more global message that whether you are blessed with natural beauty, whether you have, you know, your inner beauty needs to come out more, but particularly for women to just to be unapologetically beautiful, just be who you are in and out, be unapologetically beautiful. And that's somebody like I said, that's somebody that really inspires me as one of my own coaching clients, because I see her just really aligning with her core purpose. And now just beginning to create the launching pad uh, where I believe she can create a message that is just – can be life-changing for so many women.
1: God, what a powerful message. Be unapologetically – beautiful. I mean, I think that message translates to so many other things. Be unapologetically smart, be unapologetically good at what you do. I mean, that is something that just bleeds over that I don't think we hear enough. And I think that, you know, oftentimes, you know, the the kids who are beautiful or the kids who are high achievers in school, it's almost as if we, we push everybody to the middle. You know, if you're if you've got something, just go be that. Yeah. That's well said. That's fantastic. Hey, the last question that I ask everybody is in addition to being great observers, I think great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make a lot of money. I think they want to leave their mark on the world. So I love to ask people, what do you do to give back?
0: Hmm. I am just beginning the process of. Uh, I'll tell you actually, uh, hopefully, hopefully a quick story. Uh, one of my photography clients' teenage daughter reached out to me uh, one day and, and let me know that her mom, that my client, had uh, recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. And in fact, it was her, I think, third battle with cancer. Not not even always just breast cancer. Um, so this teenage girl reached out to me and said, you know, as my mom's going through these treatments, what she treasures the most are the photographs that. Uh, we have of our family, and I'd like to be able to do that for other families. So um, this you know, teenage girl, her name is Callie Steele. Callie and I are beginning uh, a project called the Pink Portrait Project. The dream for that is that we will create a day. Uh, it'll likely be in October, uh, October being Breast Cancer Month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we're looking to create a, a day, probably the first Saturday in October, uh, where we can line up photographers across the country if not the world, who will provide their services for families at all different stages of breast cancer, whether they can celebrate a recent remission, whether they um, you know, are seeing the value in having portraits uh, left for their family, whether they're seeing the value in having portraits uh, of their family while they're in treatment, whatever stage they're at, and also however they define family, because not, not everyone that goes through that experience defines family as those necessarily closest to them it might be as one family i photographed or one woman i photographed she rallied together all her gym friends like all these were all the women that she worked out with on an ongoing basis and this was her family and there were about, I think there were 15, she brought about fifteen women <laughs> to the portrait session because th- to her this was her family during her treatment. So uh, that's a project I am uh, working on uh, with with this young girl, Callie, uh, that we look to- forward to rolling out into the world.
1: God, that is, I got chills as you were talking about that. I, I lost my mother when I was a teenager to breast mm-hmm. cancer, and in going through sort of old family albums and, and family photos you know, there aren't very many pictures with my mom. And part of it is, is that the last three years when I was in high school, I was actually a photographer. She didn't want me taking pictures of her because she always felt like she looked like she was wearing a wig. And before she got sick, she was overweight and she didn't like pictures of her because she, you know, was self-conscious of the way she looked. And so as we looked through the pictures, the last 10 or 15 years of her life, there aren't a lot of photographs that she's in. There's some but there aren't a lot of photographs that she's in. As you were telling that story, I got a little teary-eyed because I was thinking that is so important that you right. have those pictures and that you leave them behind if, if by chance you're not fortunate enough to, to beat this disease. I mean that is yeah. so powerful. So if, if, I can actually
0: just, I'll do, if I can add to that just a little bit, that um, crazy thing. So throughout the, we've been working on this project for a while and people have asked, you know, Jeff, what was your motivation? And honestly, the motivation was, you know, Callie reaching out to me and asking for my support. Um, but my family had personally never been touched by breast cancer, remarkably. And uh, just this past April, uh, I, I dedicated a day, a Saturday, uh, where I photographed some families of, uh, for this project in Central Park here in Manhattan. And while I was doing one of the sessions, my mom called and, you know, I had forgotten to put my phone on vibrate. So I sent it into voicemail because you know, of course mom can wait, right? And um, after I'm done with my day of sessions, I return my mom's call and she was calling to let me know that she was just diagnosed with breast cancer. She had just gotten the results. Mm. And uh, thankfully she's doing great. It was caught early on. She had a quick surgery and she's doing wonderfully. But what a remarkable, you talk about serendipitous moment. I mean, here I am, you know, photographing, uh, I think it was about half a dozen uh, other women and I get this call from my mom at the same time. It's wow. quite remarkable.
1: Wow. Well, it's 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 a horrible thing and it touches so many people. So hats off to you. I think that's a great project. And Thank many you. of you who listen might remember when I had Lisa Angelos on on the show. Oh gosh, maybe 9 months ago, and she's a person who designs fashion bra straps, so like blingy bra straps that clip on to bras and other now accessories. Accessories, Thank you. Yeah. And one of the things she did is because she designs fashion bra straps, her company is called Bra. She lives in the New Orleans area. She started a charity where they actually take people who are fighting cancer and make them the models for the night and they have a Beautiful. big fashion show and when she told that story it was the same type of thing i just got chills because what they're doing in new orleans and she wants to take it nationally is they're giving these women a chance to to be dressed by designers and to be made up by professional makeup artists and to be the fashion show and to raise money for that cause and so anytime somebody comes on and shares something like like lisa McKenzie, angelos mckinsey and and like you it just makes me say wow what a great cause and and here's to you for doing that
0: well that's you know it's it's uh It's a beautiful world, right? I mean, it sounds so cliche, but this is the benefit to me of success, you know, which is why I fight so hard to support people to have successful businesses because people that go into business from a place of purpose and are driven by, you know, something that they're really deeply passionate about when they're successful. They only become more amazing. They, oh. they give, they give back.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. If people listen to this and they're like, I need to know about more about Jeffrey Shaw and I got to find out about his photography and I need to know about his coaching and his coaching programs. How do people find you?
0: So uh, I would suggest hopping over to our, our community website, uh, which is creativewarriorsunite.com. That's where you know my podcast resides, Creative Warriors. That's where my training programs are. You'll find out a bit about me as a photographer, link to our community page, a bunch of free e-guides, uh, things like that. So it's creativewarriorsunite.com.
1: Excellent. And I I highly encourage that people listen to your podcast. I sort of binge listened last weekend and and heard about seven episodes. So you do a great job of getting your guests to open up and, and sort of share what makes them a creative warrior. Oh, thank you very much. I've enjoyed being on your show a great deal. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for being a guest. And to all of you who tuned in, I say it every time and it's in the outro. Without you, the listener, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you very much for listening. And and those of you who've been emailing and asking about the group coaching program, and especially those of you who jump over to iTunes and leave a review, it makes me so happy when we get new reviews on iTunes. So please take a minute and go make me so happy. It would be great. I'm gonna be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Jeffrey Shaw. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day.